Fandom Meeples, the official tabletop gaming podcast of The Fandamentals. This is uh, one of your hosts, Dan. I'm here with uh, Corey. Hello. And uh, sitting in this week is our guest, yes. Adelaide Gardner, uh, who is a, basically, we were just discussing it, uh, she's just sort of a general tabletop content creator. If there's something in tabletop that can be done, she's probably done it. Whether it's design That's games, or, uh, her she was, most recent thing, she was on uh, Scum and Villainy with Little uh, little Red Dot, um, or just getting angry about it on Twitter, um, which is really everyone's favorite pastime in tabletop gaming these days. Um, so, yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so, one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to ask ask you... Adelaide, I also want to um, ask Corey, it's the first episode, but um, Adelaide, with we'll, we'll go with guest right here. Um, how did you get into uh, tabletop gaming? Um, we really should have. We now should we, have brought now some we bread can, and salt. Well, even if we did, you know, we could still probably, you know, red wedding if we wanted to, but... <laughs> no, oh, no, God. it's okay. There's metaphorical bread <laughs> we, and salt. It. it happened before she came on. Everything's fine. We're not oh, house right here. <laughs> waiting for my computer to kill me any second um so it's actually kind of a funny story so i was in college in early 2008 and i was in an anthropology class where we had to have we had to write an ethnographic paper about something related to campus or a community in some way and i picked the dungeons and dragons group um, I had always been kind of judgmental of it at first, but they were also my friend group as well, and I was very fascinated by it. So I asked if I could research them for the semester. They said yes. Crash coursed me through the entire thing. Of course, I observed. I played a little bit. And the first time I played, I was just, I was just hooked. Um, but I did not really play again um, for several years until um, more strongly... I don't know, about two years ago, I suppose, when I picked up with another online friend group of mine. Um, got into a Discord one day for Tabletop. Now I'm a moderator of that Discord. We've got over 2,000 members. And I play close to five nights a week. So uh, that's that's my that's my social life, I guess, in a, in a nutshell now. Yeah. I'm hooked. So you started uh, by studying a D&D game. Um, 3.5. Yeah. 3.5. That, that's where I started. OG. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, uh, what kind of games do you, do you play right now in your entire tabletop social life? Uh, so most of my games mm -hmm. are still 5e, but lately I've been super, super interested in other systems. There is a huge world outside of Dungeons & Dragons that is just phenomenal that people either don't know about or don't want to give a chance because they're really familiar with 5e. Um, I'm about to play an Urban Shadows game, which I am super hyped about. Um, I play in okay. a Genesis system right now, which is mind-blowingly difficult to understand with the dice rolls, but it's super fun and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I play a whole bunch of different things, really. Oh, gosh. Um, Scum and Villainy, actually, so far, is my new favorite. Um, I'm really familiar with 5e. I love 5e. I love the opportunities it can give. I love Pathfinder. Um, but I, I love sci-fi. <laughs> and uh, so Scum and Villainy right now is probably by far my, my favorite system yeah, I'm, that I'm, I'm playing I'm a fan in. of Evil Hat. Uh, everything they do tends to be pretty good. Oh, so cool. Um, the new Argus one that's coming oh, out yeah. soon. It looks really cool. Mm -hmm. The uh, Greek, Greek hero inspired yeah, I just game. Saw, uh, I saw that go up. I saw Adam Coble talking about it. It looks really good. Uh, so, mm -hmm. what about you, Corey? I know you. Uh, I know you're not quite as super nerdy for it as we are, but I know you have some experience with tabletop. Okay, so this is a story. <laughs> I'm feeling my age at the moment. Uh, way, way back when little Corey was a freshman in high school, she started playing Diablo, uh, the, the computer game. And I got super into that kind of fantasy set. And I was at a Hastings, again, oh showing my, God, my age. Oh my God, Hastings. I remember Hastings. And I saw, 
I saw, I went back to the magazine section and I saw this really cool magazine and it was Dragon. And I, I remember it was talking about the greater Drakes and I just picked it up and I got super into it and I just started trying to find ways that I could get involved in playing. And this was just three, not 3.5. It was just mm -hmm. three. Um, and I was really heavy into it for a while. Dan likes to make fun of me because my favorite thing, that my favorite, favorite to play as was the psionic. And I was over the moon when they released that psionics handbook. And I was so upset when they nerfed. It was so okay. I, keep, I keep telling her no one likes psionics. <laughs> I love them. I love them. Nobody likes psionics. I love psionics. Except for Dark Sun. I Dark Sun has a lot of psionic stuff. So you might want to try finding a game with Dark Sun. Well, but here's the thing. I was, you know, in Oklahoma, and I wound up going to a very, very rural college, and the only people who played around were dudes, and the only way I would have been able to play was going to a bunch of strange dudes' mm -hmm. basement that I did not know, and my little danger senses were kind of tingling, and they may have been perfectly fine, Totally but, understandable. Yeah. Trust you know, me. <laughs> lady by herself going into a basement with a bunch of dudes she doesn't know to ostensibly play a game was not what made me very comfortable and then I mm -hmm. never really found a group to play with again and I kind of kept following on with you know RPG in general but I just never really got to play again after I had moved to college in that small town so I'm tentatively dipping my toes back into learning the mechanics for for you know the more more contemporary we'll say that um mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of changes so i am tip, dipping my toes back into playing again now that i i should say i don't feel as concerned for my personal safety yeah <laughs> valid uh and that's and that's that's actually we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later the the, the difficulty that historically there has been in getting into um, tabletop gaming as a anybody of, of a marginalized identity, um, you know, starting with being a woman and then you know moving down the ladder of privilege from there uh, and intersections thereof. Uh, but um, I will say that as the cis white guy here, um, getting into it was pretty easy for me. I got into it middle school. Um, a, friend, a buddy of mine had uh, three five had the books, um, and I just learned it and ended up drawing the short straw, and became the DM, um, and I've basically been doing that since then, on and off, you know, through college and stuff with basically that same group. Um, I've played with other groups, um, stuff like that, uh, but it really uh, we actually we switched to Pathfinder in high school because we didn't like four E. Um, but we went back to 5e now, uh, for some stuff, but we're playing all kinds of different stuff, mostly because I'm forcing them to play all these stuff that I have to review, um, which they're not necessarily mad about because they like a lot of it, but still, <laughs> um, but before we get to the, um, sort of the, the main thrust of today, I wanted to discuss quickly one of the things that's been kind of roiling the, uh, tabletop gaming Twitter sphere and industry this past you know week or so and that is uh I've decided to call it Wendy Gate Wendy's Gate um, fair so and you, you I, I think you you both have been kind of keeping up on this I think or if Corey I've been keeping Corey up to date on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I cannot escape <laughs> Wendy Gate <laughs> um so those of you who don't know um the the Wendy Gate is basically Wendy's the fast food burger company has released a tabletop RPG and uh the day they released it at New York Comic Con they also had a tie in with that with the episode of Critical Role um now uh Adelaide did you, you did you watch, did you catch the episode I forget if I saw it Reddit you caught it I so I I will admit I paused season two of Critical Role to watch mm -hmm. crit season one uh, for the first time ever. So I am very far behind on Critical Role, um, both seasons. I'm about halfway through the, the first one, so 
we're, we're almost there. Um, but no, I did. I ca- I caught little bits and pieces of it, but I did not mm-hmm. watch the whole thing through now. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the, the from what I've seen, the problem isn't, I mean, it sounds like they did well, but they kind of do most things well because they're very talented, you know, great actors and storytellers. Right. Um, but the big controversy was um, the, the sponsorship of it. I believe. Um, I know. Um, Adelaide, have you seen? Yeah, please do. Basically, I'm going to jump in here, Dan. Basically, the controversy is a lot of people think Critical Role sold out. And they sold out to a company that has historically not treated its workers particularly yeah. well. Um, and some shady ass politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, and so there's been a, it's been a big, uh, it's been a big problem with with people questioning that, and then of course, uh, you get the critical role fandom, uh, coming at you for criticizing them, um, mm. which they're not, they're they're kind of one of the more stanny, uh, followings for an actual play. They're very passionate about their mm. fandom. Yes, we'll put it that way. That, I think that's Matt diplomatic. Mercer and they're, they're very can passionate. Do no wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me though, if, if I may jump in, I think the sponsorship itself maybe speaks to a wider discussion that hasn't really happened before within the RPG community, and I don't think people really realized we needed to have it because for so long this was still considered Mm -hmm. you know this is the realm of the nerds quote unquote and in recent years it's actually been gaining a lot of mainstream popularity so we're entering territory now where to be quite honest when i saw wendy's released an rpg my first thought was well that jumped the shark because you know it had been growing in popularity and all of a sudden wendy's of all things came out with an RPG, and it's like, well, that that little moment in the sun just right. jumped the shark. But then we go back to, you know, all, all of a sudden they're doing sponsorships. Well, we haven't really been in a position with this before within this industry where you're getting popular enough to have large mm-hmm. mainstream corporate sponsorships. So, yes, there is the discussion of they sold out, but we have to look at, you know, what is selling out. We haven't had this come up in the community before. I, so, okay. Well, I mean, I'm of two minds of it. I understand that there's a lot of very small tabletop shows that don't ever have that opportunity to get any funding at all, much less a huge Wendy's Mm -hmm. thing. But there's this prevalent idea with Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast that they're just like this tiny little underdog company you know and they're just they're just nerds around tabletop and they're just so uncool but that's not the case at all this is this is a multi-million dollar company that has worldwide success now um you may not know the name wizards of the coast you know even i didn't really have that company name in my vocabulary until a few years back but But i know know what dungeons Dungeons and dragons Dragons are my mother knows what dungeons and dragons is you know and it's and she's never played a day in her life. Um, and the concept that Critical Role is one of these underdog little just friends around a table is, quite frankly, bullshit. You know, they, they it's a company now. At this okay, point. I'm sorry. Can I say something really quick? I'm not wanting, I, I want to agree <laughs> with you here. The concept that they're the underdogs when they are the big, one of, if not the biggest rpg show they had what was it 12 million plus mm-hmm. dollars on their kickstarter 17. fund oh no sorry 11 One, 11 i'm sorry 11 million dollars they raised on kickstarter to do their own yeah. animated series and one of their stretch goals was to send somebody to a haunted house <laughs> you cannot tell me they are the little right. underdogs that could and they have to have that money from those sponsors to keep going. You just raised $11 million. For, for, just, for just a television show alone. And that's the argument that I keep getting is like, well, this was just for the television show. Right. But they made $11 million for a television show alone. Imagine the money that would be outflowing if they came forward and said, look, we're really strapped for cash. Critical Role might go under. Guaranteed they would get that $11 million again. Yeah. 
threefold. And, and they, they ju- th- their they did, fan base they, is just that passionate. Right. Oh yeah, and it's a beautiful show. It's a fantastic show. I mm-hmm. love it. I'm watching it right now. But the fact of the matter is, they make. I mean, I'm not. I'm not great at math. Um, and obviously, I don't know the. You know the tax implications and everything. But on average, from their subscribers alone, they make fifty thousand dollars a month, and that's taking out the Twitch payments that they have to give back that's not including the scholar the sponsorships that they already get that's not including the money that they make off the merchandise the paid convention uh, gatherings i mean these people are not strapped for cash each of their cast members are worth close to an uh, a million yeah, net worth they're all, they're alone all they're all working if not VA, more especially the you know the, the the ones everyone really sees like laura and, and matt right. they're very successful working vas we have like blizzard contracts. Right. And of course you have to pay your cast and, and LA is very expensive and times are hard. And trust me, I, I get it, you mm-hmm. know, especially with the cast members. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're by no means not getting paid enough for their work, but they are getting paid and they are getting paid probably pretty well. Yeah. Comparatively, comparatively. they're getting, you know, they're being paid extremely well comparatively. Cause I can tell you what a lot of other shows make and that's a big right, cat zero. Right. So it's, you know, it, 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 it the fact of the matter is these people are not starving. The show is by no means going under. I know that Geek and Century has a lot of other shows under their belt that they also have to pay for, but I'm going to I'm going to wager a guess that Critical Role severely well, helps I'm, out I'm, in that in they, that. They, they they broke away. Like, they're not even part of yeah, Geek and Sundry. Oh, that's right. They broke off. That's right. I was talking mm-hmm. with one of the one of our other editors about this on Twitter and she was like, "Yeah, they formed it as an LLC, like they started basically from the get-go to make this something right. that they could do to make money. I mean, of course, they're enjoying it, but this was never just it. it yeah, they it, don't need this it sponsorship. Was, it, was, to it was a group of they friends don't. playing games until they've tell until they put it online. Right. Once you start paying people, it's not your friends yeah. anymore. That's a company. They can still be mm-hmm. your friends, of course, but. That's a company, and you have to act yeah. like a company. The key, the key, really, the key point that I want to emphasize is that it's not that we don't, like you said. I mean, I like. I'm not. I hardly have not had the time, unfortunately, to keep up with it. Um, but I enjoy Critical Role, and I enjoy, I respect uh, them for what they're doing. They're good people, um, but they're not above criticism, which is the kind of the key. Which was the key behind when the mm-hmm. Wendy's Gate was. It wasn't. Oh, we hate Critical Role. It was we. This was a mistake, and uh, people getting mad that people were criticizing them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Critical Role well, fandom is just. I'd like to point out, I'm not. Oof. I'm not even anti-sponsorship. I think my the what annoyed me was the defense that came out for Critical Role of the oh like. You know, you were saying, oh, we we have to have this money to survive. No, you don't. You can, I'm not against anti-sponsorship. I think you should be responsible about agreeing who you're going to it's do a sponsorship hard. with. It's not hard to do your due diligence on a company mm-hmm. that you're going to collaborate with. Like, no doubt they did their research on all the other sponsors that they've had. You know, just doing a quick Google search, you know, seeing what they're about. It is not hard in this day and age. I did it myself in 30 seconds, finding out who Wendy has paid for politics-wise. Within 30 seconds. And I don't even work for them. I'm not even a PR company. This information is available at our fingertips. And I understand, you know, if you want to sponsor with Wendy, fine, whatever. But don't also, in the same breath, say that you are a company that supports workers' rights, supports gay rights, supports uh, the rights of women of color, people of color and women, and then go and do this. Exactly. It is not hard. There is no excuse for it. Well, and also don't claim this and then just magically be silent on certain issues because this is something else Dan and I were talking about. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the Kickstarter and certain union organizers right. being mm-hmm. let go. Mm-hmm. And you, I have an issue with, yeah, you're making all these claims and then that happens and conveniently, you know, oh, new phone, who's this? I don't right. go here. They yeah. don't have anything to say when they've Crickets. benefited yeah, from all it. You know? That was the other thing that Corey and I, uh, well, Corey actually did, <laughs> as she sometimes does, goes on a bunch of research. You yeah again like you go back yeah. to it's three They're minutes of Google searching. Um, They're all union. Anything. 
Felicia Day or almost all of them are union, um, and sort of Geek and Sundry has an official stance pro union, but they have left that. So, um, mm-hmm. they've backed off from a lot of things. I've I've found. I mean, there. I I was just watching an episode of Critical Role the other day where I believe it was just after the um, the shooting in Florida at the gay club, um, and uh, they had a. A, a little a little speech about it and then they all brought out little rainbow um paper squares essentially just mm-hmm. in support and i've noticed now that ever since this huge i mean they've they've always been popular of course but nowadays they just a lot of these things they just keep really silent on and it's it's very it's very telling yeah i think part of mm-hmm. they don't open their mouths until they're called out yeah, on I think it part of that is um We want to secure our money. I mean, I'm going to say it. I'll say it. If you're a business, I have owned small businesses. This, you know, I'm an editor for this website. I ran another website previously. There are times where I have to weigh what we're publishing versus either, oh, are we going to lose our ad revenue for this? Mm -hmm. Are we going to not be able to have funding for this anymore to keep the site opening? I'm not saying it's not bad that you can't consider that, but I I think think there's a big difference between you, though. And critical role, you know, there's, there's a, there's something to be said for there's holding a your ethics, I, I, period. And I, yeah. I do, I hold to my ethics, period, whether or not I'm getting paid for it or whatever. I will, I will happily lose money mm-hmm. for that. But there's a big difference between my net worth and the network of Matt Mercer. And yeah. critical roles. And there's another big difference in, you know, like, well, uh, if I'm going to take a stand on this, how is it going to affect everybody right. under me? right. And that's another thing you have to keep in mind. So I'm like, I'm trying, I'm not wanting to play devil's advocate because I disagree with them, but I do want to say I can kind of understand the mindset of I have to juggle Mm -hmm. this. But you cannot, my point is you can't claim to be progressive or to be on this side of the issues and then you're conveniently silent. For sure, for sure. That's where the hypocrisy to me. Especially when you've always been outspoken in the past. So why now? Yeah, and then suddenly Why you're now? silent. And that, to me, that just says, oh, I, I want to make sure our funding stays. I yeah. want to make sure the money keeps coming in. But is the money going to stop, you know? Is the money going to stop if they don't support Wendy's? No, That's the question, you know? And I don't, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's, it's not going to stop. Their people are not going to stop supporting Critical Role had they been like, oh, we turned down a big Wendy's sponsorship, you know, because well, it, nobody well, would have even known. That's funny thing, um about it is one of the big one of my favorite takes that the fandom picked up was that um this was actually good either because either oh was the a, robin hood thing robin oh. hood where they were intentionally oh. taking the money to donate or it was good because it let their fan base know how bad wendy's is oh my <laughs> god it's it's the 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 hoops people will jump through to defend these actions and don't get me wrong you know they donated the money they said they're sorry i can let bygones be bygones personally whatever i'm not gonna like cancel critical role i'm not gonna boycott critical role you know just because they made a fairly big shitty mistake bonehead you know but the idea that they did this all intentionally i've seen i've seen there was no master plan here being thrown around this was not done intentionally. This was they they would yeah. not have blinked an eye had nobody said anything. And they would have carried on like normal. It's only because of this backlash and even they admitted it. They publicly admitted it that they messed up. So why are you coming out with this? Oh, well, it's a Robin Hood. No, it's not. They themselves said they messed up. I think though like that actually segues into mm-hmm. some of what we were wanting to talk about additionally about issues mm-hmm. with fandom as a whole there's kind of like that i don't want to say well in some sense it's a gatekeeping wall but there's that wall of fandom that if you are trying to get into this hobby if you don't know people it is very very hard i just tweeted about it just the other day actually i literally just tweeted um, about it i'll uh if if you've any well, well i think we'll put a pin on the wendy's gate discussion for there uh you know if we have time if anybody has any thoughts or comments on that or wants to yell at, at any of us for how much are disrespecting your favorite internet friends feel free to comment uh in the 
in the notes and down below. <laughs> I love Critical Role, okay? But. Liam is a daddy, all right? right? Just, I, I love them, you know? Be respectful. You can disagree <laughs> no, with us that. without don't, telling don't us to right. go fuck uh, ourselves. Can, can, yeah. <laughs> Keep yes. watching Critical Role. I will uh, watch it but, tonight, too. Uh, yeah, so that's what I want to segue, as Corey was, we were starting to do there, with into our discussion this week, which I want to talk about gatekeeping in um, tabletop. And inevitably, it's already, it, it's such, I, I think it speaks to how common it is that it's already leaked in to, already leaked in this episode mentioning examples of it um mm-hmm. so um cory you obviously mentioned how you know the the difficulty you had and the kind of the wall that was there of um getting into that stopped you there but adelaide have you have you run into uh any sort of uh gatekeeping stuff when you were getting into the game learning how to play that kind of thing um, when I was first getting into it, no, they opened me, they welcomed me with open arms. Um, I have never really experienced anyone telling me that I couldn't play. Um, as far as games themselves are concerned, I, I mean, I've, I've always, I've constantly run into the whole, oh, well, do you understand what you're doing? Kind of, you know, quote unquote mansplaining thing. Um, when... I've already explained when I've already, you know, a- applied and said I'm an experienced player. I've been playing for this many years. I've, I play five nights a week. You should know by now that I know how to do a hunter's mark with a ranger. You know, it's it's not. So there's always that kind of thing. Um, but as far as Twitter is concerned, it's 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 very interesting and it's almost I'm almost kind of two minds a bit because as as much as I love that tabletop is so popular now, um, and it's 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 becoming really cool. It's also hard because it's harder to find games sometimes um, because more and more people want to play than be a DM. And I say this as a one hundred percent player because I'm a terrible DM. Honestly, my anxiety is out the roof when I DM. I've tried. I promise, I've tried. Um, it's not for me. Um, so I say that knowing I'm being a hypocrite but um you know and and now there's so many communities within D, especially on twitter D, and they've all been very nice let me start this off by saying they have all been very very nice and after my tweet the other day saying i feel awkward about asking to be in games but it's hard because i'm not in these communities everyone has reached out to me and offered me a game so i have yeah. plenty more games lined up for myself now just from complaining yeah. about it really um but it is, it is hard. It is very hard when you don't have a following. And I honestly have my following from the big drama that happened a few months back with games mm-hmm. development um, and posting lewds. Like, that's where my followings come from, you know? So it's not, it's not like I've built this organically for myself solely through my content alone. Um, so just a few months ago, I didn't have the kind of notoriety I had and it was so much more awkward to be like hey I know you don't know me but I love your content and I really want to be on your show and you know will you play (laughs) with me um which I'm more comfortable doing now because I know a lot of people now but somebody else and and so many people related to that tweet was just like it's so awkward for me I can't do it I don't know how to do it you know so it's, it, it, it's not gatekeeping so much in a sense. Maybe self-gatekeeping is a better term for it. Because mm-hmm. it is weird to just kind of put yourself out like that. Especially when it's so popular. These things are so popular and everybody's playing Dungeons and Dragons now. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. Yeah. Which is cool. But there's not a lot of pie no. yet. So. Um, and anyone wonders how much pie there actually is ever going to be. Um, right. When yeah. is it going to burn out? Hopefully never, because yeah. I love tabletop. But it might. It's the, it's the tabletop bubble. <laughs> yeah. The, the tabletop, the, the board game bubble. Who knows if it's, if it's going to pop or when it will pop. Um, right. Do you, do you think that uh, the being within the tabletop industry, do you think being in it as a, as a woman, um, or just either anybody's observations about women in tabletop gaming. Do you think it's it's gotten better or changed at all? Um, you know, you mentioned that you've had that mansplaining thing, but it sounds like 
maybe it's not as bad as, as it used to be? <laughs> I think... So this is a difficult question mm-hmm. to answer, okay? Because I think sexism in gaming has always been here and probably always will be here. Um, I think it's a lot more prominent than people make it out to be. But at the same time, um, especially in tabletop Twitter, um, I would honestly say the, the more famous voices are the queer voices, are the people of color, are the women, are the uh, disabled, you know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very interesting how kind of that table has turned, and by no means is there suddenly a lack of privilege or privilege being given where it isn't in society, because there's always those struggles, but it is very interesting to see that, in my experience, the marginalized voices are some Mm -hmm. of the most prominent on tabletop Twitter, but... That being said, within actual games, there there's always inequity to be, inequity to be addressed. Um, there is a severe lack of people showing people of color in their games, not just their characters, but on screen. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that still have to be addressed. I would not say it's it's gone. Is it going? It's hard to say because Twitter is a completely different. Yeah. ecosystem than actual gaming, yeah. you know? It's a very small subset of what tabletop actually is. And I don't play in person, so I can't really say about in person. I'm sure it's even... I'm, I, undoubtedly, it's worse. Of course it's worse. <laughs> um, now, I know that uh, something that, that's been brought up that, you know, something that Corey and I have talked about regarding the comics... Um, is is the sh- shopping for sort of the, the tabletop, like going to shops and like the getting into it on that. The brick and yeah. mortar stores, oh, yeah. the common mm-hmm. book stores, in person, you know, purchasing of of your games you do, uh, Adelaide. Um, you know, Literally like zero. <laughs> Literally um, zero. And I think that could be a symptom of the the way that. Um, those stores often feel that was actually the only real that was something that i faced when i was getting into it was the general unfriendliness of game stores oh the worst the worst i've been in a few times of course and i've been to one very small convention that was in kansas i will honestly say that was just a miserable experience it was just they were not really mean to me but i I got the distinct impression that I was not welcome um, because I'm a woman and let's be honest, I'm conventionally attractive and I, I, it was, it was weird and it was just like, why are you dressed like that? Like, why are you wearing makeup? You know? And it's just like, I just, I just want to play. I just want to geek out and play a Mm -hmm. fucking orc, you know, like, can I play an orc? That is just. (laughs) That is so fascinating to me. Like the way I got into it, because I'm I'm from a small area, uh, non pop, very rural area. So the gamers, you know, were all at the Hastings too. There was no oh, yeah. there was oh, a game yeah. store. So that's how I found them and how I got into it. And they were a very super friendly bunch. A lot of them were older. A lot of them were into SCA. I don't know if you guys know what that is. That sounds so familiar. Oh, the Society the, for yeah, Creative Anarchism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, little Corey got involved in SCA around the same time she got involved in the RPG because it was a very welcoming group of people. Um, my problem was, A, they were older and I got really lucky in that they were like, okay, this is a younger <laughs> girl and there were women involved and they kind of really looked mm-hmm. out for me. But after I got out of that environment... It was all dudes. There weren't any other women. There weren't any other people of color. There, it was just these white guys, and I didn't really know them. And I even asked, it's like, hey, could we maybe go meet up at the student union to play? No, they're going to judge us. We're going to meet up in, let's say, Todd's basement. You have to look a certain way. Like before when I was in high school, I mean, I did not look the same way that I do now. I did not dress the same way that I do now. And I was much more accepted in high school 
with the group of nerds than I ever was now. And I'm a much bigger nerd than I am now than I was in high school. And they couldn't understand. And I asked, I was like, oh, I would feel a lot more comfortable if we, if we could just play at the student union, just reserve a room there. No, it's going to take too much effort. I'm like, they could not even mm-hmm. empathize with why I would have a problem of going mm-hmm. to meet up with them at some guy's right. basement. Oh, yeah. Doesn't even, doesn't even blink an eye. And I'm like, I know there's a lot of other women that probably ran into the issue that I did of we had an initial very welcoming group and that's why we stayed into it. And then either we moved or circumstances changed. And if you're, you know, I like to play Mm -hmm. in person. I am not a big online player. I like to see people. I like to feel that energy of when everybody's collaborating together. That's just Mm -hmm. my jam. So especially if you're used to playing in person, trying to get into that again is like pulling. It's hard. It's really teeth. hard. And then to go try and find like a place to buy stuff. Yeah. I mean, forget about it. Oh yeah. There's there's not a gaming shop within two hours of here. Of course, I live in the bumfuck middle of nowhere, New Mexico. But I mean, even so. Well, I live in Los Angeles, and I'm still just like the places that are around here are either. They seem very unfriendly or they're, and I'm, you know, no offense, they're in very bougie mm-hmm. areas where the prices are higher and there's clientele where I'm just like, oh. You can't relate. Yeah. Okay. You can't relate either I way. Don't really right. wanna, I can't, yeah, I can't relate either way. And I don't particularly want to play with certain people who are in the bougie area because I know what type of gameplay mm-hmm. that's probably going to wind up being. Well, and that's just and, not and my even thing. With, I mean, even with people who are super aware and super careful and really you know lovely about it like i remember when you know we've 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 been extremely lucky and very um it's been a really great we've got a relationship with with Beetle and grimms with with matt lillard and and them um to to cover their their releases and and has been our point person for that mostly because she actually lives in california and i live in kansas so i can't really go there anyway um, but i remember you know they're a bunch of dudes and when we were gonna our first meeting with them uh they changed the meeting place to be just at Matt Lillard's house. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I'm geeking out right I, now. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, no, no. But here's yeah. my thing. It's like, I didn't know any of them. And I, I will say Matthew Lillard is the sweetest guy. He seems guy like the sweetest guy. I'm sorry. I'm so I, jealous right I now. I can <laughs> say that now. But at the time, I was going to a house that you didn't know. That right. I did not know with a bunch of guys. And I had texted Dan, I texted one of our other editors, Elizabeth, I was like, okay, I'm here, I'm going to walk in, if you haven't heard from me in X amount of hours, Traditional like, call me. woman code, I, right. I get yeah, you, yeah. I've done it before. And I have to mm-hmm. do that, because I mean, and again, I opened the door and everything was fine. Like, he is an absolute, absolute right. sweetheart. but it is scary. Um, it was during Ramadan. Yeah, and it was during Ramadan, and he was offering me food, and I was like, no thanks, it's Ramadan, and he was super cool about that, too. Um, but before I got there, it's like, I'm a woman walking into a meeting with a bunch of dudes right. I don't know. At someone's house. At someone's private, yeah. private venue. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was like... I was more nerve-wracked about that than I was right. like, oh, this is so awesome. And I'm if, any, if you had said anything, they like, been like, but it's Matthew Lillard. And I'm like, yeah, like, and I, I know he's a sweetheart, but like, if I don't know that, I don't care if he's mm-hmm. Bill fucking Gates, you know, like I, it's, it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. And as we've learned, especially with, with, fam- with famous people, just, you know, you can see publicly a lot of sweet names. Right. Anybody and, can be. Right. Uh, so that yeah, so that sort of was you know an example of like it's not just you know it, it's kind of a thing that I think a lot of guys in tabletop even the ones who are you know self aware we you know or we think we are uh, we don't remember that that's kind of a built in thing um, that mm-hmm. a lot of women and queer people and other you know identities deal with um, sort of on that note with like sort of the tabletop celebrity um, I wonder if. With all this push for diversity, I wonder if uh, the lack of diversity in a lot of the actual plays that are popular right now are having an effect on how in- diverse the industry comes across as, considering, you know, Critical Role is and is most is all white um, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, I mean, the, the other the other big one I can think of is like the Adventure Zone, which is um, all all white dudes. Um, right. To be fair, I will give them credit if they're entirely. Yeah, family. no, yeah. I, I mean, so, I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get that. I can I can excuse that a little bit more because it's three yeah, brothers yeah. and their dad. You know, and that's not even. I don't, and they might mm-hmm. not even be. You know, as a factor into it as I think they are, just because it's that's the one that I know the most about. Um, right. But, you know, and they're not, and they still probably aren't even on the level of like Critical Role when it comes to how they because they're not as tied in with like wizards as as critical role is and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I, I think, I don't think that's, I just wonder if that's a thing or not. Cause I mean, there's not as much press for a lot of the ones that are covered that are feature. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not representative. There are so many tabletop players of color out in this world. There are so many shows that are either predominantly, people of color or all people of color um rivals of Waterdeep is a phenomenal mm-hmm. show that deserves so much more praise than it gets and it, it doesn't really face any i'm sure it faces criticism I, it's just it's it's just not noticed it's very much an underdog as famous mm-hmm. as it is because and people just won't give it a chance because it's not yeah. critical role there's a lot of shows i mean you could really say that about pretty much any show that people just won't give it a chance because it's not critical role um which is tough and is that's an entirely different yeah. episode I think right. we could talk about is how everybody wants to play exactly yeah. right. what critical role does and that that is not and the they only want to be as famous as critical role and it's just not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Unfairly so. Um, because there's a lot of great mm-hmm. content out there. But yeah, I mean it's you see critical role and they it's very frustrating to me because they started out with eight people. And now they have seven people and an empty seat that could be given to a person of color. And they don't. And I get that mm-hmm. eight people is a lot. Seven people. I get it. It's, that's a <laughs> seven people. Six people is a lot. Okay. Because it's ridiculous. But I love, I love big parties when it works out, but that's yeah. a different conversation. Um, but you know, they have this extra seat at the table and yes, they do frequently have guests that are people of color. Um, but there is that big empty seat where Orion was sitting. It's the elephant. In and the they've room. never filled it. And they have, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, I'm hoping plenty of friends that are players of color in LA. It's LA. Let's be real. It's LA. If you can't well, find they do a friend of they, color got, that'll play a game of Dungeons and Dragons with you had, in LA, um, they had a, a guest of wrong. color on the, I believe, on the Wendy's stream. They've got uh, right. Carrie Payton and a uh, native, uh, no, a uh, Indian, um, mm-hmm. Indian. Uh, the yeah. uh, she played got, the yeah, um, like oh the, my gosh the, 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 the furbolg. Um, I cannot remember her name. I've, I, yeah. It's been so long since I've seen season two. Like, like Shakasta, you know, there's 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 a lot. Yeah, you Bri- know, Brian I wouldn't say there's a lot. Dead, um, uh, I can West I can maybe think of three or four off the top of my um, head um, out of know, the big handful of the players. Are, I mean, the players are half critical, uh, half people of color. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's a four episode like mini arc, like mini thing. It's not the main show, right? Right, right. The fact of the matter is they have this open seat that's still sitting there. And I, I think they yeah. could be more than capable of finding somebody that has Thursday nights off. and can play every night, you know? And they just don't. And I get that eight people's a big... I'm going to say something. I get it's a lot, so... I'm oh going to say something, and I can't believe this is going to come out of my mouth. Something mm-hmm. that WWE is oh, excelling yeah. in. <laughs> Because, you know, they have their Up, Up, Down, Down channel. And they, yeah, they actually have um, a live play called Rollout. Um, and it's in its second season. And it's, they sit down and they game. And it's Ember Moon. It's Brennan Williams. It's Xavier Woods. Those three are the yeah. big staples, and then there's Tyler Breeze, but three out of the four main cast are people of color. 
Okay, I'm glad you told me that because I don't know WWE at yeah. all, and I, I feel That's like exactly. I recognize Xavier um, name, and I knew him to be. I think he's. I think Ember, he's black. Ember Moon, awesome. Okay, yes. I think I can picture his face in my head, but I, I don't follow wrestling at all. Em- Ember, Ember um, Moon's wrestling yeah, character. Yeah, those basically three be are on there. They've got. Other cast members that come on. Well, I shouldn't say cast members. Other WWE superstars. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I love them. And she gets she gets really into it. I love she watching every it inch. She because looks every she's inch sitting like right next to like Alexa Bliss, who is a new player. Mm-hmm. She's not as used to gaming, so she's and I love how. Yeah, yeah, and I love how the cast, like the rest of the players, they don't demean her or anything they just kind of let her figure it out but then you've got ember mm-hmm. moon who's doing these full-on body movements and <laughs> facial expressions and pantomiming the actions that are going on and it's amazing and yeah. I, again i'm like i have to, well, to up, give up, w- up, up, down, down credit is their for this video game channel because is this a tabletop show or are they like video gaming okay i gotta check this out now creed has various guests uh-huh. from the shows on to play games, but uh, yeah, Roland the, the rollouts the one they started as tabletop. Um, it partially makes me partially makes me think that Ember was just bugging him to let make let her do it. Um, eventually, huh, I've got to watch that. That um, sounds fantastic. Yeah, they do that. I think they're. I mean, I, th- I think they they work with um, Warren <laughs> Forge. They have that, um, and like they work with a couple tabletop companies and they play D anD D. But like yeah, Ember was at Gen Con, has been at Gen Con every year past couple years. Nope. <laughs> Their dungeon master is Arthur Wright. I don't nope. know if you recognize nope. that name. <laughs> and I'll make sure I'll put links to all this. Okay, stuff so he I'll do some is. Show. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I feel like my boyfriend is just like scolding me with his eyes right now from very far away because he grew up a huge wrestling fan. So. <laughs> Well, no, Arthur Wright isn't really um, a wrestling fan. He he's a D and D guy. He's written like for Dragon Magazine, oh, okay. for like Fourth Edition D and D. He's been playtester for Fifth Edition D and D. There's a book from Nord Games called Spectacular Settlements. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have not. No, Spectacular Settlements. No. Okay, so he is one of the authors on that. Um, Basically, like, he's a fairly well-known or active, I shouldn't say well-known, but he's an active guy in D&D. He's had a lot of experience, and he dungeon masters for them, and it's just yeah, amazing there's, there's at the stuff that there, they wind up getting into. Another episode to question about the, uh, the, the unfortunate, not unfortunate, but the, the market dominance of, of Critical Role. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which for somehow we wind up having good guy WWE being the counterpart right. to it, and like, I'm surprised it doesn't have more notoriety than it does. I I've never I've honestly I had no clue that they even had a show, much less that it was predominantly people of color. Had no clue. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's because it's in the wrestling like sphere, right. so a lot uh, of people very niche. MJF yeah. thing where he said you know, he, the, where everyone got mad at the wrestler for making fun of D&D. And I was like, how are people in D&D not at least aware of wrestling? Because it's basically, it's very similar performative weirdness. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, yeah, it's a right. to look into. Uh, it's also not like a re- super regular thing because they all most they all have to, like, wrestle. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's not like a constant show. Um, but, I mean, Ember's well, they have up their wrestling careers, right? I think Wizards <laughs> has been using her. Mm-hmm. Um, for a thing, I think she was at the stream of the, I call it the stream, not the stream of many eyes, D and D live. They changed the name. Um, but uh, yeah, just an interesting thing. Um, and this could be just me, me as a, as a journalist for or or a, a producer for content with tabletop is. Um, it seems like it's very very West Coast centric industry. Um, it, it with, with the way that. Seattle and LA, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and a little, I think a little bit of, of the, Seattle of the and LA, yeah, well. definitely. Um, yeah, well, that's that's the thing. 
Yeah. Well, the conventions are always in Philly. Yeah. Like, you well, know, that's, that, that's bugged it. Me is the, with with the Gen with Con the and and PAX Unplugged. I mean, yeah, there's I other there's other big ones, like, oh, of course, love, but you know, the, you know, this PAX better. Love this so much better. I'm like, well, that, yeah, well, it's really close by. It's in the West Coast. You know, Gen Con, which I'm naturally a little defensive of, as I've said before, um, <laughs> makes you actually have to go into flyover country, <laughs> where I would probably say most of the a, a good chunk of the player base is whether they you know, right admit it or not right yeah no it's 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 very it's very interesting i and 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 the, and the fact especially if you want to get into you know show content i feel like shows that have people in person do so much better than shows where it's everybody's on webcam, um, which is which is interesting. It's an in, it's just an interesting thing to me because in the age of the internet, you would think, oh, it's super accessible. You know, you can play from anywhere in the world, and you can, but it doesn't get as much traction usually. Um, and I live in the middle of nowhere. I the I would have to drive easily two hours to get to the biggest city, Lubbock. Um, to be able to play in person, and I can't do that once a week. You know, I, I can't drive four hours a day just to go play D and D. I won't do it. Um, and and so, I mean, there's something to be said for that. You know, I don't know. That's a that's a really interesting thing conversation to have, especially because with how big the internet is. You know, you'd think it would be much more enticing to be able to play online. Where you don't have to get out in public. And I think even if, and if you're wanting to get into the into the industry as a uh, a, a journalist or as a producer, as a creator or as a uh, uh, influencer, <laughs> that's its own show. Uh, the the but if mm. ooh. Uh, <laughs> that's its own show we don't have time there, to get into it right there now there are influencers you say with the with the scary voice and ones you say don't in the scary voice but that's a, like Corey said different episode um, but um, it's still difficult because you, you, you have to right. be able to go to these events you have to be able to go to PAX U yeah you have to network and you have to go to the parties and you have to go to right you have to go you have to network you have to yeah it's intimidating. I mean, I have social anxiety. Well, you know? it's expensive, and I and it's, I'm on it's the spectrum. Expensive and it's too. expensive too. And going into Pax Unplugged, I am thrilled mm-hmm. to go to Pax Unplugged. I am so excited to meet so many new friends, um, and network with people, and play games with people, and just have a really great yeah. time. But if I didn't have Drop the Die, who's going with me, who is like mm-hmm. now one of my just closest friends in tabletop. I mean, he's going to be, we're going to be wingmans for, for each other, essentially, you know, we're going to be con buddies. Mm-hmm. And I have that support system that I can kind of fall back yeah. on when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling nervous, um, because I'm surrounded by people that yeah. I can go to. But if I was going there alone as a new person, oh my God, I'd have the worst time probably. And not because the con- convention's yeah. bad, if it's just, it's overwhelming for people like me. And there's a lot of us in tabletop, obviously. Like a bunch of money, and you're just going to like buy stuff and just be at the con. Then it's not as bad. But you have to talk to people and you know introduce Mm -hmm. yourself. And yeah, no, it's it's difficult. I mean, that's why Gen Con. Right, then it's whatever. The only reason Gen Con worked out for me is because I could basically rope my hometown friends in to walk around with me while I did that, and they just listened to like spiel's while you know I did my thing. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. like Corey said, it's expensive. It's just like we've been getting packs. You. Um, solicitations for press. They've been saying, "Hey, come get a press pass." And I'm like, "Yeah, hotels, right?" And that's great, but that doesn't yeah, include that hotels. It doesn't include flights. Like, how are we going right. to get there? Food. Even just in LA, the the amount of time, and then the what I have to pay for for a lift ride to go get somewhere. Oh God! Like it's it's crazy. And I'm like, I live in L.A. and I'm yeah. way better connected so, than Dan um, is. And I'm like, if it, I went I to all it's, these it's events, a, you know, I would grow. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it does kind of bug. I think it, it, people are starting to – it bugs people a little bit, especially as, like, Wizards has moved away from just going to cons for some reason. Um, like, they, they mostly go to PAX um, and really only, like, um, to pump 
push their Twitch stuff. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it, it it feels alienating, I think, for a lot of people to feel like you're not in the cool club of tabletop. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't go to all of them, then you're not in the cool club. Or if you don't go to most of them, then you're not in the cool club or whatever, which is bullshit. You know, but, like, there mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of options for conventions now, which I love. Like, Big Bad Con looks really, really cool, and I, I'm hopefully going to get to go to that next year. But... Uh, you know, I love these much smaller conventions, so to speak. Um, yeah. But even so, you know, like, even if you're going to the smaller ones, that adds up. That adds up big time. And it's like, if you're trying to make a name for yourself in tabletop, which, I mean, there's always something to be said. Like, oh, you know, don't don't be in this for, like, the fame or the notoriety or the money, you know. Because, first of all, there's no money in tabletop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there is not. I mean, unless you're a content, cr- like an actual, like making modules for DMs Guild or whatever, like then you're not gonna make any money. Um, you know, or your critical right, role, or your critical role, which you're never gonna be. Um, let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're going in for you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Just going and and bankruptcy essentially for trying to be in this but i mean even i like i just feel i feel like the pressure if i miss one convention everybody's having fun without me and everybody's taking pictures and everybody's planning shows and you know making friendships and yeah networking and everything and i'm i'm not there and i i feel that pressure and it's it's hard it's really hard you should be, if you're the type of person that does want to go to a con. I am not the type of person that likes going to cons. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. But if you're the type of person that let, does want to go to a con, you know, you should be able to look forward to it and not have that sense of dread hanging over you of what is going to happen. Or like you said, if you can't make a con, suddenly it's like, oh, I'm missing out on business, mm-hmm. business, business. Like, I, I hate how almost monetized it's become oh, for that yeah. reason. And that goes back to the whole D&D and, D and tabletop are not, that's not underdog. This is, this is a multi-million mm-hmm. dollar yeah, business, baby. Um, like, yeah, and, and they it, are selling to you. That and, you know, and yeah. a lot of these things to go into these, um, cons and have the people that you hang out with. And it, usually you have to build that up. You know, all these people when they go to cons are like, Oh, I can't wait to hang out. And they hang out with people and they have all these, friends from all over the country because they all go to the same cons and so they have it built in and um you just get that and then mm-hmm. yeah the D is the thing that draws people in and they're not there or um yeah because like if you want to get if you want to get work with like that's the thing is i worked with paizo paizo has been a really good partner with our website for coverage because they are at like all the cons, so like I can meet with people from Paizo, but if you want to meet mm-hmm. with wizards to discuss anything, um, they're not anywhere. <laughs> no, they're not. The they're really dog. not. Like they're hard. They're very to any. Tiny they're very hard to get at nowadays. Associated with them, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, it's a problem, but. I'm sure we can. You've got to get in with that. Hours on hours, as tends to happen when I'm hosting anything. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Support small tabletop RPGs. Trying to work with as we develop this podcast. <laughs> yes, more make your own. They're those. so popular now. Um, but uh, Adelaide, uh, before we wrap up, is there anywhere that uh where where can people where can listeners find you to keep track of what you're up to what you're currently angry about that kind of thing <laughs> i am on o adelaide on twitter that's o h and then my name mm-hmm. uh that's pretty much everywhere i've got several shows lined up that are all on various different <laughs> channels but you can all find that on my twitter twitter is easily the best place that you can reach me my dms are open <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us and, you know, our growing pains for our pilot episode. No, it was fantastic. It. it was really, it was really great.